Good evening, everyone. My next very special guest is going to be well known to many of you. I'm pleased to introduce the infamous trad Twitter blogger Jan de Manschneider. Known for righteous zealot posting on Twitter, Jan is allegedly from the darkest corners of the Netherlands. As many of you know, Jan textually lays waste to all sorts of absurdities inherent in modernity, such as the accelerated movement from the corporeal to the digital weeb subcorporeal of pure quantity, and even some lighter subjects like how Neanderthals are merely a psyop created by social Darwinists to push the great lie of evolution, and how Jan has created certain allegedly highly effective PUA tips that I won't repeat here, but that are by all accounts highly effective. We spoke on such matters as the Juana Coela, the Prima Materia, and his conception of how these ancient symbologies all fit together in a traditionalist Christian cosmology. His blog is extremely insightful. Please check it out. Details in the show notes. And remember, the fool is rooted in the dark earth. How's things in the Netherlands heating up a bit? Well, it's it's a bit rainy today. It's it's oh, yeah. uh, it's it's not really heating up. It's a bit uh, what do you call it? Changing, changeable. It's sure. uh, some days it's rainy, some days it's uh, it's warm. It really depends. Yeah, the the couple of times I went there, it was pretty much like permanently cloudy. I don't think I saw the sun once. Like, admittedly, I was only there for a couple of, about a week or something, but um, yeah, just permanently cloudy. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a cl- it's a cloudy country. Sure, uh, yeah. I mean, so even, so even when you have sun, there are also clouds. Like, it's very yeah. rarely that there's a blue sky, like, like uh, you know, no clouds, just blue sky and sun. I mean, some days, but it's uh, like one day a year or something. Sure. Yeah, I, um, I hear stories about, you know, Germans and, and I guess you guys as well getting naked in parks and stuff when you have those days where, where you just have a bit of sunlight. And um, I, I can kind of <laughs> see why, <laughs> to be honest. You know, when it's so, uh, so rare, I mean, uh, you have to make use of it. You know, you can't just let it go past. Hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. So, um, this one's going to be. I've, I've been thinking about the best way to maybe, you know, start going through all this because it's super dense. Um, and you know, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Like most people that listen to this, how like uh, well versed they are in this stuff. I would imagine probably not very. That would be my guess. Um, I'm just wondering. I mean, I, um, only intellectuals listening to this uh, podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> mostly, mostly. I know a couple that I wouldn't wouldn't exactly call intellectuals, but um, what, what I was thinking is um, we could start off maybe just for the audience that, that aren't on um, obscure Twitter, um, and yeah, I guess we don't have to go into details too much about about who you are. Um, I'm not sure how much you want to volunteer. I am. Um, 
uh, acutely aware, aware of the fact that you don't like um, film soundtrack music. Um, <laughs> probably not a fan of Hans Zimmer, I'm imagining. Um, no, but but, I'm but a, other than that, oh, you are? No, I'm a, I'm a uh, aristocrat of, uh, of the soul. I only listen to uh, medieval music and uh, ancient uh, Sumerian reproductions of uh, uh, lute music. Uh, And also to uh, uh, Dutch uh, house music from uh, 2015. Right, right, okay, yeah. That's very aristocratic, I guess, isn't it, really? That's um, No, I guess... uh, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, uh, my name is uh, Jan. I run a a blog, Esoteric Traditionalism. It's uh, basically uh, a Catholic blog, Esoteric Catholicism, Traditionalism... uh, I'm not sure if people know what traditionalism is. It's kind of a word that's that's used a lot, but also abused a lot. Uh, and the way I use it, it, it's, it refers to the traditionalist school, uh, you know, Gunon, Evola, and so on. Uh, basically, it's just some sort of comparative religion, uh, and it's and then my blog is mostly from. Uh, Catholic perspective, but uh, it also incorporates elements from other traditions. Sure. So there's a lot of quality stuff on there. I can definitely vouch for it. Um, so do you, are you a practicing Catholic? Is that how you define yourself? Yes. Traditionalist, I, I know you're big into Genyon. Um, how about, uh, are there any other thinkers in that school that you, um, you're you into, you know, uh, Shuan or, or perhaps, um, you know, Evola, even people like that. Uh, mostly, I'm into uh, Kumaraswamy, Gunon, and Evola. Uh, I've read some works of later traditionalists, uh, although not much. Uh, mostly those uh, those first three that I uh, that I've studied and that I uh, take inspiration from. Right, so it's it's. Who would you say is the biggest uh, influence on you? Probably out, out of that triad. I think it used to be Evola. I mean, also the name I used to go by, Evolist, anarchic Evolist. Okay, yeah. but I think now it's Quanon more. Okay, and and you mentioned at some point that you you're formally studying philosophy or something like that at the moment. Yeah, I'm studying at university uh, philosophy and economics. Right, right. And does this um, fit into that somehow? Do you get a chance at university to um, to look at this kind of stuff in depth? Or no, no, it, not, uh, not at all, not at all. I mean, at university... heretical? Hmm? I, maybe ironically uh, heretical for a university? I mean, I, I guess, but it's also... Uh, I mean, it's it's not even considered to be like, like a valid type of study, I guess. Sure, like sure. it's okay. it's it's not even within the it's not even like demonized or whatever it's 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 mostly just ignored yeah yeah uh, definitely you know in in talking to a number of these guys recently like uh Harry and um even Patrick Lowdy who I spoke to recently it it seems to be kind of like a side thing for them mainly you know aside from their duties is Academics, it's it's almost like a, a side interest because, as you say, no one really uh, takes it seriously. Yeah, I guess that's also kind of 
I mean, not per se a problem, but but something that's that's I think is interesting about later uh, traditionalists is that some of them you know took a more academic route. Uh, I think one example of this also in the early days is uh, Eliade, who uh, also uh, who had exchanged letters with Evola, and Evola said to him like. Uh, you know, why are you writing? Why are you trying to be an academic? Uh, why are you uh, trying to put our doctrine? Uh, why are you trying to formulate it in these academic spheres? He said, you know, he said, oh, I can understand there may be some reasons uh, to do so. But it's, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of it's, it's restrictive. There are some... Uh, negative psychic currents, uh, which if you're not careful, you will be like uh, asphyxiated by. So uh, I think it's interesting that, uh, that, that more uh, that later traditionalists followed in that, that line. Yeah, for sure. To go into it, I'm, I'm mostly completely ignorant of Christian theology. So my, my, when you go through things and, and um, go through different definitions, I might have some idea, but if you hear like um, gears grinding in my head, um, just give me a minute because I'm, it's, uh, it's probably just me thinking uh, rather than not hearing you. But um, hey, that's right. Yeah, I think, I think some of the listeners might be in a similar position. I do know some of them aren't, aren't as well versed as maybe, well, definitely not as well versed as yourself. Oh, I know. I, I'm, um, I'm just. Uh... A seventeen-year-old uh, amateur uh, amateur uh, theologian on uh, on Twitter dot com. So maybe maybe well, I'm not you're uh, doing, not uh, the most well versed. But you, you're doing better than me, that's for <laughs> sure, mate. So um, yeah, being a young guy, I, I just wanted to understand this as well. How do you um like discover this stuff? Because I I didn't come across you know even Evola until I was you know in my late. 20s, early 30s, before I even had the chance. I mean, I, I used to browse uh, these image boards uh, from a very young age. And, uh, you know, there's some uh, politically incorrect image boards. And uh, that's, that's right. how I found yeah. it. And, and, and yeah, and then I uh, started looking into it more. And, and did something just really strike you about, like, God, I've got to, I've got to read this shit. I mean, what, what was it that um, really stuck out to you? I, I don't know. Really, I guess I was reading uh, Evola and I was reading, I think, uh, the Revolt Against uh, the Modern World, and uh, right. I don't know it just made sense, and, and it was written like uh, I think it's written very well. It's like a very dense prose. I was reading translation, so I, I don't know how it is in the Italian. But I don't know, there was something about it which just uh, captivated me, and I was, I was thinking, yes, this, this, this is it. This I want to read more. I want to look into this. What is this way of thinking? What is this way of seeing the world? I was just completely uh, captivated by it. Evelo was kind of where I started as well. To be honest, I I, I know what you mean. He's his, his language is. Um, strong, shall we say. So I, I found it, you know, easy to understand compared to a lot of these other guys and, and probably a good way to get into these kinds of things. I know like there's, there's a lot of um, 
uh, how would you say, I've, I've heard accusations of plagiarism leveled at him and, and a number of other things. But uh, nevertheless, I, I still really enjoy reading his books. And um, I've not seen any basis for a lot of those criticisms myself. I mean, plagiarism, it's like an irrelevant thing. I mean, it's, it's such a modern conception that an idea needs to be original or whatever. I mean, plagiarism is common practice. Uh, used to be common practice because, of course, if someone's written it better than you, I mean, you're going to copy it. And it doesn't matter if you, you, you cite them or whatever because it doesn't matter who wrote it. It, it. it only matters what it says, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and particularly, I would say, in the traditionalist school where you're expounding principles that are, by definition, woven into reality or, or eternal, I mean, you know, of course, of course you're going to plagiarize in, in, in that yeah. sense. Um, I guess you're well-known um, or relatively well-known in the, uh, the fringe uh, Twitter community of um, th this idea of psychic uh, Platonism. Platonism, yeah, which is something you've you've spoken about a couple of times, and on your own right wing Dharma squads, you're talking about it on yeah. there, and it's it's maybe something we can talk about later, um, because in a, in our correspondence, um, you mentioned that you'd been getting to grips with something else uh, lately, which is um, what you call the the relationship between the the prima materia. I don't know how you say this. Is it Janwa Coeli? I say Janwa. Sure. Dutch, Dutch pronunciation. Could be. But also, I, I mean, I learned, uh, I, I really, I would say, uh, uh, Kylie, because that's, that's how I learned it in, uh, in high school. I went to a gymnasium and we learned uh, Latin, but in the classical pronunciation. But uh, now sometimes I use uh, the ecclesi ecclesiastical pronunciation of the Latin instead. Sure. Well, I think I'll just go with, with that then. <laughs> Um, so it seems to me from, from what I'm reading to be, um, I guess, a, a medieval esoteric cosmology in effect. Would that be the right way of describing what it is? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose I would say it is, uh, you know, how like uh, you have like this common saying, like uh, it's like this common concept, you know, okay, uh, uh, the heaven is in the skies, you know, or God is in the skies, on the clouds, whatever, old men on the clouds. It's much ridiculed because it's like, ah, oh, of course, uh, there's nothing on the clouds. There's nothing uh, in the sky. It's just uh, space or whatever. And uh, of course, there are these atheists who say, uh, who, who criticize it. And then you have like the the educated Christian who says, oh, I'm not like those, uh, those simple uh, uneducated Christians, because I believe that uh, the kingdom of God is within you, and such and such, uh, which is which is true, of course. But uh, I suppose they 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 fail to understand the symbolic meaning behind that idea of of uh, God in being in in the skies or, or above the heavens. Or the kingdom of God being uh, being above the skies, being above the heavens, and uh, yeah, I think what I've tried to write about uh, on 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 you know the, the symbolism of the moon or the Yano Acheli 
and and the prime matter is is to kind of uh, show where that kind of degenerated concept of uh, the kingdom in disguise comes from. Interesting, yeah. The, the way the way I tend to read it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is probably the way that it was meant. In a sense, that these things are like uh, signposts, almost rather than like literal descriptions. And I think this is maybe where people get tripped up a little bit. Yeah. I guess it's, it has to do with the, with the general uh, misunderstanding of what symbolism is. Now, often when you say, okay, this is symbolic, uh, people mean, well, it isn't true or it isn't really real. Uh, but instead, what is meant by symbolic is uh, it, it points to a, a higher reality or a higher truth. So it's actually more true. It's actually more real than just being a literal truth. So when we say the kingdom of God is in the sky or is up there, it's actually more true than the literal meaning because it is symbolic. And I guess it's it's the same in a lot of these other religions, which is why these guys um, even endeavor to start with to, to compare them. And, and I guess you notice... In, in certain uh, religions, um, certain things that seem irreconcilable or different that, that probably once you go beyond the semantics and the word choice and the symbolism, they, they almost become um, synonymous or, or similar, which is, I guess, why these guys were able to, to engage in this, you know, task of comparing various religions, which is something that you did do in that article. You, you, um, I think it was a Hindu conception of uh, something similar to the firmament. They say that uh, after death, all, all people also pass uh, through the sphere of the moon uh, and they call it like the heaven of the ancestors. Uh, and yeah, in, in that blog post, I, I tried to compare that to, uh, to I think the medieval uh, conception and also to like the ancient Greek or Roman uh, perspective and, and, and show how they sure. are similar or at least try to express the same uh, cosmology. Yeah, okay. So, so I think um, maybe a good place to start um, would be maybe with some definitions, probably. So for those, like uh, my understanding of most of these things is through like a, a hermetic or an alchemical kind of prism. Um, so I don't know if that's exactly uh, synonymous with a, a more theological uh, Catholic conception of things. Although on reading uh, your blog posts, there were, there were a ton of similarities and I was really struck with, with some of those definitional similarities, which makes sense because you know, alchemists were probably mostly Catholic. So in terms of the, the prima materia, um, what, what is that to you? So I'm familiar in, a, in an alchemical sense. It's kind of like the first matter and, and you know, the, the foundation of the great work, I think is the way they put it. Um, in, in the context of your article, how do you see this? 
Uh, I think I think the the prime matter must be understood as uh, the first creation. Uh, it's 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 the first uh, thing that came to. I mean, exist isn't the right word, but uh, but but uh, came to be uh, apart from God, and and from this matter. Uh, it's why it's called the prime matter because it's the first. Uh, uh, then all the other things uh, come from it. Uh, that's why it's also called, for example, uh, the universal mother because it's it's the mother of all existent things. And by the action of God, uh, or rather by by the spirit of God on this matter, uh, which I think is exemplified for example in in, in genesis uh, which says uh, the holy spirit or not the spirit of god uh, dwelt upon the waters i think it's in uh, a syriac syriac manuscript it says the spirit of god uh, fermented the waters uh, i think symbolizes this act of god uh, upon this, this this prime matter symbolized by the waters uh, from which the entirety of creation springs. Would, would I be right in saying that that the prime matter is not the same as nothingness or or emptiness? It is built on top of that, in a sense. Well, the terms nothingness and emptiness are uh, a bit complicated in their use. For example, it is often said that, uh, or not often, but but it is said that uh, change is accomplished in nothing. Or it is said uh, the extremes meet in nothing. Uh, by this nothing is not meant like a pure absence, a pure negation, because of course that, that nothing can be there. Uh, but rather what is meant by this negation, by this nothingness, is, is to say there's nothing of this thing here. So we, so we say uh, the prime matter is a nothingness. Uh, then we can say there is there is nothing uh, existent here. Uh, there's nothing, nothing formal, nothing uh, really distinct that is there. So compared to that, it is uh, nothing. Right. So how, how would you say that, so how does the father tie into this? If, if the prima materia is the mother, uh, how, how does God tie in with the prima materia? Obviously all things are of him, but in, in this conception, is there some yeah, sort of difference? Uh, or the, the father demarc- would, be here, it would be here the, the act of God. Uh, as, yeah, as it were, the, the energy, ener- energia, or act, actus of God. Uh, so not, not, as it were, the, the essence of God, but the act of God, which... Uh, acts upon it uh, and in uh, as it were the the act of God provides all the forms 
in a way, all the essences or the forms, everything intelligible is provided by the act of God. It is, as it were, projected onto the prime matter uh, and the prime matter uh, gives it the sensible parts and, and together you, then it forms the composite of intelligible and sensible and that is the world. Yeah, okay. So, so you um, also say that the prime matter is um, Mary, is the Virgin Mary. It is, it, it is literally, uh, that's what it symbolizes? Is, yes. Is that yes, correct? Yes, that's what I, uh, what I wrote. Well, th- this is the uh, thing that really struck me, is um, I'd also been dealing with it, I suppose, at a much lower level. Um, with with some of these concepts, and and when I read your your article, I was was kind of blown away because it it did remind me and it, it helped me connect some dots, I guess, um, that that were not probably immediately obvious to me. And and one of those things um, are the the representations of the black yeah yeah Madonna in in Europe, and I I remember recently. That, that I was, I was well, fairly recently in in Spain in Montserrat, and and I went to see the little little black one, as she's known by the by the yeah. locals in, in Barcelona. Um, do you think? And, and you make the statement then that 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 kind of is what that represents. It's not some mere, you know, it's, or it's she's they say or this, or, or, yeah, they say it's like it's, it's too close a, or too accumulating or whatever. Which is exactly what they told us. But I, I find your explanation much more satisfactory. To be honest, it just makes sense. Yeah, but it, 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 I think it, it's it's stupid because uh, why would it be filthy? I mean, they can clean it or whatever. Or, or uh, and they, I mean, even if it was, of course, you, when you look at the facial features of these uh, Madonnas, they're often they just look, you know, they don't look African or whatever. They look, you know. European, so if if they, of course, you also have like icons or paintings of real uh, African uh, uh, people, but they look totally different. Of course, they would would have they would make them with African uh, facial features, but they these don't have them. So I I don't know. I find these theories very uh, unsatisfactory, and I think they they only uh, come from like a materialist. Uh, mindset. I, I just find it so weird, though, that that no one in the church seems to know about it. I just maybe they suspect something. Maybe they can't. Well, I mean, say it. I mean, I mean today. Yeah, I just wonder. I, I will say church is not in a very good state. I mean, of course, it's it's also been very much assaulted by uh, by the modern world. Uh, so while well, being uh, still a sort of. Uh, safe haven in some ways it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's not been free from attack. So yeah, of course, uh, not all these things are known. It, um, it also reminded me of, um, a statement. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, a little with bit, but not, not much. At all. In any case, he made the statement in one of his books that I've got here. I forget which one it is. I think it might have been Dwelling of the Philosophers or something like that. Um, that 
Every Gothic cathedral in France, um, in fact, uh, possesses a black Madonna. And typically they're hidden in the crypt of, of the ancient church. And um, he was saying that uh, during the Iron Age, um, the, the black Madonnas can't be exposed, which I thought was fascinating. He doesn't elaborate much more on it other than to say that. It could kind of tie into yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, I, I suppose... Uh it could be hidden. Uh, of course, it's also when we when we when you use the word hidden, uh, you can also take it literally and say it is literally hidden in a is literally like a, a statue uh, hidden in in a literal crypt beneath the church. But you can also say it's it's hidden in the sense of it's still uh, occult. It's, it's still unmanifest until uh, the time is right and and. Uh, the end of the world is here and it's time for all things to be made manifest. I think in the latter sense, it is, uh, it is true in, in the former sense. I don't know. I, I, I haven't, uh, checked every, every crypt of the cathedrals in my city yet. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you got my support if you, uh, if you do that. Just briefly on, on this topic, I, I also wanted to pick your brains about, um, the idea that you have other, th- other goddesses in, in ancient times. And, and the one that really sticks out to me is, is Isis, uh, obviously a, a black goddess. Do you see any um, similarities well, I, I, here in terms of the symbology and the, and the con- concept behind these kinds well, of goddesses? I have to say, uh, Isis is Egyptian? Or, or yeah, I'm, I'm not really in, uh, yeah, correct. well, first in... in the Egyptian tradition uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, but I, I, I can say um, on, on goddesses in general, uh, they often represent, to use the Hindu term, uh, the, they're often the concert of, of uh, a male god and they represent as it were the Shakti or the power uh, and on the power in the sense of the uh, the power to manifest uh, of that male god. So uh, in the same sense, uh, uh, the Virgin Mary represents this power in a sense that uh, through her, uh, God was able to manifest into the world. Uh, through her, the word was made flesh. Uh, so... I think this. I think this is in in accordance with the general idea of uh, the female goddess. Uh, of course, we don't call Mary a god, but uh, to equ- equivocate these terms a bit, uh, she represents also this this power to manifest that other goddesses uh, symbolize too. And, and you do make reference to the Virgin Mary as the Stella. Maurice, of course. Do you want to talk a, a little bit about about that? Yeah, Since we're there's, going there's, through this. there's uh, um, kind of a general correspondence. I have my notebook here uh, between uh, the moon, uh, the waters, the ark, the Virgin Mary, uh, and and then the prime matter. Uh, so yeah, it's often said that the, it's often said that the Virgin Mary 
is the, the Stella Maris, uh, the star of the sea. Uh, and by the sea, we then understand the waters, uh, the waters which is spoken of in Genesis, uh, the, the spirit of God uh, dwells upon the waters. Uh, you know, to and these waters are the prime matter. And then we see the Virgin Mary connected with the moon. Of course, we, some of you might know, uh, you know, the image of the Virgin Mary standing on the moon. Uh, and of course, the moon rules the tides of the waters. Uh, when it it rules the uh, it it decides the ebb and the flow. Uh, then you have uh, the ark of Noah. Uh, it's it's it floats on the waters. Uh, to, and this is the salvation. Uh, the salvation is, as it were, the the floating on the waters, or uh, it's also symbolized by the walking on the waters. It's the overcoming uh, of these waters, which is symbolized hereby. Yeah, the, the overcoming of uh, the waters here are then the, the sublunar world. Uh, the moon is, is above it, and this moon is in the ark. And this is then also Mary, who is also called the ark. Uh, which also said that uh, this is Jesus were the vessel of our salvation, uh, which is also why she's called uh, co-redemptrix, uh, uh, the helper in redemption, uh, which is why she's called the seat of wisdom, uh, because in this uh, uh, in this matter, in this prime matter, in this uh, sphere of the moon. Is, is contained all the essences, uh, of course, all the forms, and, and most uh, prominent, prominently uh, the, the prime form, the prime uh, intellect, which is the word. Uh, and, and you have all these stories about, uh, of, for example, the birth, the birth of, of Jesus, and they say, uh, uh, oh, the, the Annunciation uh, happened uh, when Mary was uh, drawing water in a well. And for example, the, the Quran says that when uh, Mary gave birth to Jesus, there uh, arose uh, springs at her feet. Uh, so really there, there's, there's this uh, very extensive uh, symbolic correspondence between all these things uh, not only in the Christian tradition also extending to the Greeks uh, for example uh, in, in one of my blog posts I also try to uh, give a correspondence between uh, Mary and Fortuna or Lady Fortune and uh, which calls Tuche by the Greeks uh, was and she was the daughter of Oceanus uh, from the ocean, uh, from the also the waters. Uh, so there's really this correspondence not only in in the Christian tradition but also in other traditions between all these things. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's very interesting. Yeah, for sure. So there's there's like a lunar symbolic connection. Right, which is something that you you wrote about quite a lot in your article. Um, 
it's kind of something that I wanted to understand. I think you call it the sublunar and the supralunar, um, which which still isn't clear to me. I still don't really get it. Like, what what does that mean? What did you mean? Yeah, by I that? suppose I should have into this mentioned stuff? it earlier. Uh, it is really uh, is about the like the medieval cosmology. Uh, how does uh, what does the universe look like? Uh, and uh, I think it it should begin with uh, the things that are closest to the common man, which is the sensible world, uh, the world of corporeal objects. Uh, this is what is often meant by uh, this world. Uh, the the sublunar world is is the world of bodies. It's the is the corporeal world. What uh, we then say it is it is ruled by the elements. Uh, you know, fire, water, uh, earth, air, uh, and these elements come from the fifth element, uh, the quintessence of eighth or, or the aether. Uh, and these these already are not corporeal. Yeah? It can, uh, at most it could be said that the element of earth is corporeal, but also not really because only through the element of earth become the other elements corporeal. Uh, so these are already above the corporeal world, but still below the the sphere of the moon. Uh, the, these elements are psychic, they are not corporeal, but they are very closely connected to the corporeal. Uh, as Saint Aquinas says, above the, the elements, there is the sphere, sphere of the moon, uh, which is the, the uh, Yano Aceli, it's the gate of heaven. It, it is, is it where is the gate or the barrier between uh, the world of the elements and bodies and the heavens, uh, the seven heavens, or which are uh, the seven planets. Uh, and so the moon uh, is, is the barrier, so that's why we call everything below it sublunar, which is elemental or corporeal, and everything above it supralunar, which is uh, heavenly. Okay, so... Um it's it's interesting. So I I was doing a little bit of research on the, on this. What kind of really blew my mind a little bit away um, was was a particular carving on a on a Gothic church. I think it's Amiens in in France. Um, and and there's apparently a, a quatrefoil there, which is I don't know if you know what it is. It's like a a kind of stone carving in the shape of a four leaf clover. And um, it, it has some interesting scenes depicted on it. And that this whole concept of the lunar sphere being where these corporal forms, you know, how would you say, enter the world or whether the prime matter is... Manifested. Uh, how oh, well, say, projected, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, projected, manifest, yeah, manifest, yeah. So um, interestingly, on this quatrefoil, it has four phases of the moon uh, represented in each section of the, the clover. 
and it shows various scenes of, of the moon um, and this what they call, the alchemists apparently called, uh, lunar dew effectively being ejected from these lunar spheres. And in, in a few of them, there's these pictures or figures of these men um, collecting this dew with these blankets, which I thought was fascinating. And I, I never really understood what this meant um, until I read your article. I was, I was like, oh, shit, there you go. That, it must be because... That is the first matter that they're collecting. Yeah, well, it, it, it's, I mean, it's, of course, you can also compare um, uh, the story of uh, the philosopher uh, Empedocles. Uh, it was also said, uh, one story says he jumped in the volcano uh, and died. But another story says he jumped in the volcano and the volcano erupted and, and uh, lifted him up, up to the, the moon. And uh, now he still survives uh, on the moon, subsisting on this heavenly Jew, uh, or this this lunar Jew, in, in uh, whatever you want to call it. Interesting. Uh, of course, it, yeah, this Jew, or the, it's also called rain sometimes. Uh, yeah, it is. It is uh, the manifestation or the action, or uh, of of uh, these forms contained. Uh, in in the prime matter or in in, in the sphere of the moon, uh, we're kind of uh, using these terms uh, indistinguishable uh, here, which is all right because I think, as I say, in also the, one of the blog posts, uh, the sphere of the moon uh, serves the function of the prime matter for the sublunar world, so they're not strictly the same, but uh, in in for now, in this function, from this perspective, they can be uh, seen as the same. And just to go back to the Egyptian connection, sorry to flog a dead horse, but um, I, I do believe Isis and her sister were known as the Weeping Sisters, and they're also um, associated with with uh, the light of dark moons, allegedly. So there's, there's definitely a, a stream of ancient um, thought that was it was based around this, without a doubt. It's very interesting. I guess we've we've gone through the the prime matter and and that kind of stuff. To go to go back to the other one that I can't. Yeah, no, Yep. So um, so how does this fit into things? Because because I, I was kind of familiar with the prime matter, but this uh, one not so, so yeah, much. The Yano Chelli means uh, gate of heaven. Uh, uh, so. Uh, it is basically also uh, this, the, the sphere of the moon. I mean, of course, Janu Cheli is, is also a title for the Virgin Mary. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah as, as I said, uh, the sphere of the moon is the barrier or the gate between the sublunar elemental corporeal world and the superlunar heavenly world. So it, it is the gate of heaven because it is, uh, you know, from our perspective, uh, when we are here, down here, uh, in the corporeal world, uh, it is a gate which is close to us for now. Uh, and be and uh, uh, behind the gate, there is the heavenly realms. So that is why we call it the gate of heaven. And of course, there are also uh, these astrological uh, uh, concerns about it. Uh, I think I also write about it, but I, I'm not sure anymore. 
uh, if uh, Numenius, this uh, Pythagorean of like the third century, who also writes about it, I think instead of Janu uh, he, he calls it uh, the gate of the gods. Uh, but I, in another blog post, I argue that gods must here be understood as angels or whatever. Uh, but this is not important for now. And uh, some astrological concerns, because you also have the Anima Inferni, uh, the gate of hell. And the one is uh, located uh, with the sign of uh, the Capricorn. And the other is located in the sign of the Cancer. Uh, and of course, there, there are many other correspondences to be made. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's what uh, what is meant by Jano Cherry. Right. So in effect, you've effectively you're you're showing the cosmology like a Christian esoteric cosmology, which is which is really interesting. I, it, you know, I, the other thought that came up while I was going through this stuff is uh, Wolfgang Smith, um, who's someone that actually you. Uh, inform me of uh, over Twitter. And I, I kept getting flashes of his um, physics theories, I guess, when, when you were discussing this whole thing, which totally makes sense because he was Catholic. But, but just the way he, he describes corporeal forms and, and ties that in with quantum, mecha uh, quantum mechanics. And I was watching his documentary fairly recently they put on put I think out it's on um, philosophy I forget the name Sophia. of the website it's like Sophia yeah. something or other philosophia yeah that sounds about right yeah uh, they they present a very good uh, traditional uh, interpretation of uh, of modern physics and how it uh, corresponds to uh, ancient and medieval physics um yeah i think it's it, it's very good it's, it's not really yeah. uh, my uh, expertise or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I really do recommend uh, reading them and, 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 uh, and then they, they do really uh, help. Sure. It'd, it'd be good to just tie in classical physics with what you're saying here. Because I think that, as I said, I, I kept getting these flashes the whole time. And I, I admittedly only saw the documentary once and I didn't, quite get my head around the whole thing um, properly. But I definitely might watch it again with, with all this in mind, I think. In, in terms of this medieval co cosmology or your cosmology, um, what, what do you um, think about uh, geocentrism? It sounds like a crazy question, but do, do you hold a, color, a kind of, how would you say, like a Ptolemaic geocentrism? How does that fit into this whole uh, yeah. thing? I'm, I'm not making sense. <laughs> really sure what I uh, what I believe uh, to be the literal movement of the heavenly bodies. I mean, I haven't studied them myself extensively. Uh, I only, really only know uh, about the symbolic uh, meaning of their positions, and uh, symbolically speaking, it's it's. Uh, undoubtable that uh, uh, in almost all uh, occasions the earth must be uh, uh, as it were at the center uh, of course there are some uh, transpositions that could be made for example 
in, in very uh, rare cases, the sun may be set at the center. But this already at the center really is, uh, it is uh, the fourth sphere of heaven. So it is three below it and three above it. So it is already uh, central in the heavens. Uh, of course, sometimes the sun might also be placed at the seventh heaven as a sort of shift in perspective. Um, but yeah, if, if we're speaking about the literal positions of uh, the heavenly bodies, I mean, I, I should, I, I'd have to uh, buy a telescope and uh, try to look at them myself. Uh, and I do think it's round. But yeah, I, I mean, uh, I also read something about uh, that, uh, like something like uh, like a perspectivist view of uh, this literal movement of the heavenly bodies that said, okay, you can take like a geocentric perspective uh, uh, and it would be as valid as a heliocentric perspective because of something, because uh, it's all relative or whatever uh, to something. So just going back to um, uh, spheres, uh, obviously the earth we've established is not flat. Um, so the sphere of the moon, which is obviously the focal point of this discussion, um, you, you mention in one part that there is cosmic memory and all the seeds of the next cycle are contained in, in, in the moon. Um, do you want to expand a little bit on that? Uh, I yeah, thought this was sure. an interesting element um, of your... Uh, so remember when I uh, said like, like a few moments ago, I said made this correspondence between the moon uh, and the arc, right? Uh, so, and we know, you know the ark is uh, sure. also yeah. a symbol of uh, salvation uh, because it's, you know, the ark was saved from the, the waters and uh, within it was uh, contained uh, uh, the necessary seeds for every life form uh, so that after the flood there could be uh, uh, manifested another world. Um, so and that that's also uh, what we mean by salvation. And when you say salvation, what, what does that mean? It means that for the next world, uh, uh, the human form or the human state is kept. Uh, it means that in the in the next world, uh, you will uh, you will live there as as a as a man. And yeah. So in, in this this arc or in this moon or already in in principle contained these seeds uh spermatoi uh but not you no know, regular seeds but uh, the rational seeds and not rational in the sense of i'm think thinking uh, but rational in the sense of being reasons being causes um so so these are contained uh, there and uh, if in this life you're able to uh, reach an identity uh, with this seed or with this principle. Uh, you know, you will be kept, you will be saved, and uh, be able to uh, 
sustain the human state even through all the uh, uh, flood or the waters that that will uh, end this world in the future and uh, be able to to reign in in the next world. Yeah. Okay. And and that is interesting because you did another article on on the wheel of uh, of existence. The wheel, I suppose. Of I think you referred to it as samsara or something like that. Um, the wheel of fortune. That's the one. Um, so th- it was interesting because during my interview with Harry, he described traditionalism and religions um, extending like the spokes of a wheel from you know a, a primary source. And there's no differentiation in that source, but as you have the spokes of the wheel extend out, you know, you have these different emanations yeah. of, of orthodoxy or, you know, various religions and, and things like that. Um, and and your, artic- your article kind of reminded me of that in, in a way. Um, I know it's a little bit different, but what you've just gone through now about um, people, I think the way you described it is, if you want to uh, persist through these uh, momentous um, events that are going to occur, that are going, you know, the flood as you refer to it, that you need to, instead of being on the, on the edge of the wheel and cycling around, you need to find a way to, uh, how would you say, go closer to the source and, and not be cycled by the wheel. Is that a good yeah, interpretation of your kind of definitely. idea of um, getting through uh, this? It's a wheel so of fortune, uh, uh, which, which said that you have like this classic depictions of it. And then you see uh, like one person on top with a crown and then two, per, two person on the left and the right side, one going down, the other going up. And then one person who is all the way in the bottom and it's turning. So uh, it says it's basically describing the uh, changeability of uh, the circumference of the world. Uh, So they say at one time you may be rich and then uh, sometime later uh, you will be poor. Or one time you may be healthy and then you will be sick. And one time you will be young and then you will be old and so on. All these... uh, qualities which we may be proud about or which we may be sad about or which we might have any feeling about really or have any attachment to uh, they are all changing and also uh, this fortuna or this uh, fortune lady fortune is also uh, compared uh, to the moon uh, most famously i think in the uh, Carmina Burana, these uh, these student songs, these songs from medieval students, and they say, "Oh, fortuna, velut luna, uh, oh, fortune like uh, the moon." Uh, and I, I think also in one of my blog posts, I extend this. So, okay, I say, uh, "The Virgin Mary is the moon," and then uh, also fortuna is also uh, the moon or like the moon. And uh, because uh, Fortuna is also said uh, to be uh, the empress of the world, just like the Virgin Mary is said to be uh, the queen of all creatures. Um, So there's also this correspondence here. Uh, And yeah, to come back to the wheel, uh, of course, the, the one who is turning the wheel is turning it from the spoke. 
it's not God's book, it's called uh, the axle. It's turning it from the axle, and the axle is in the middle. It's in the center. And so you have to move from the circumference through the spokes till you find the center, and there is uh, Fortuna, is there she is residing, there she's turning it. Uh, there is, as it were, the, the moon, or the primate, or, or whatever, uh, on whatever level you want to see it. Uh, and if you reach that, uh, of course, that's also like, then that is the philosopher's stone, uh, the primate of the alchemist. If you reach that, that's the, the garden of roses. Uh, there, uh, that is what you need to find. Fortuna, you, you say, is just pure... Um, it's, it's not good nor evil. It's, um, how would you say, it's, it's complete. And then, and then the prime matter or, or Mary is, is on top of this. I forget how you described it exactly, but you were saying that uh, she's all the goodness uh, in the world. I, I, I wouldn't is say that. Is that a that correct distinction? I'd say that maybe I described it with, that way, but it's because, you know, trying to... Uh, compare these things, it's very easy to say, oh, it's all the same and this and this. Um, but I think it's mostly a matter of perspective. Uh, at some points on the path, uh, the, the moon may be considered as, as a benevolent force, at some points a neutral force, at some points a malevolent force, uh, at some points, not a force at all. At some point, something to be contained in. At some point, something to be overcome. Uh, I think these things depend on the condition of the individual. Uh, but and why do I think that? Because they don't change anything about the cosmological position of, uh, for example, here the moon. So I think that I think that depends if it's. Uh, uh, a good or evil force or whatever. How, how do you suggest um, someone move towards the center in a, in a Christian the perception of things? It is uh, what, living the, the practical, virtuously, uh, uh, living a life of prayer uh, and studying uh, the scriptures the church fathers, uh, visiting cathedrals, churches, praying there, uh, acquiring, as it were, the peace of God. I had said, acquire the peace, the great peace, and then uh, thousands around you will be saved too. So I think that is uh, how one should go about that. But I, but I think, those, I think today um, uh, there are much worse sins. I think uh, uh, I think wine, women, and song would be uh, very good for for many people. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it might, of course, uh, uh, it, it's uh, evidence of how far <laughs> like age it. has fallen. <laughs> but I think, uh, for example, to come back, you mentioned at the beginning uh, psychic platonism. I think. It would be good for one who is an extreme psychic platonist. It would be good to engage in some corporeal pleasures, uh, to to find again uh, the body, uh, because they've completely forgotten the body. 
uh, which is also something I forgot to mention in my uh, or cosmological uh, conception, because you know you have the, the sphere of the elements, which is kind of above the corporeal world and also psychic, but there's also like a very uh, like below the corporeal way. Eh? You can see uh, if you see it as a circle, you have like the corporeal, which is circle, and then you have a bigger circle around it, which is the psychic. And then you have like the elements, which are kind of above the corporeal, like the upper half of the circle. And then the lower half of the circle, there's also this psychic domain. And when and when he say, when I say psychic platonism, it's mostly about that lower psychic, uh, like subcorporeal psychic. Then the movement to the corporeal is then upwards. It's an upwards line because you're 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 going from the subcorporeal to the corporeal. And of course, after then you will you you want to move to the supracorporeal. But if you're now situated at the subcorporeal, it would be good for you to become corporeal again. I think this is also uh, why uh, things like uh, the bodybuilding and whatever might be in this sense a positive force because they are moving people from the subcorporeal to the corporeal. So in effect that means if you stop playing video games and whacking off to anime porn, then you move upwards to bodybuilding and drinking raw eggs or whatever. That's, that's probably a good thing, right? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Watching uh, 10 episodes of uh, your favorite anime uh, to uh, going out and, and uh, drinking wine and uh, having sex with actual women. That's also an improvement because so in, in all these sense, really everything corporeal is, in, is, is from that perspective an improvement. Even though, of course, afterwards you want to move right. to uh, the real virtue yeah, and whatever. For sure, and, for sure but, it is. It's a good that's, that's already, I think, uh, very difficult. It, that's impossible if you're still uh, living in the virtual. I, I, you know, I've never thought about it like that. But it, as you say, it's a really sad um, uh, portrayal of our society if, if getting drunk and having sex with chicks is, uh, is, is an upward movement. I honestly never considered that before. That's uh, something else. Um, yeah, yeah, shit. So just quickly, I want to backtrack. It's something I wanted to ask you about. It's something that I've not found a really satisfactory answer to. It's, it's this idea of you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, Christianity and, and the cycles of the wheel and moving towards the center, um, having the, the seeds in the ark um, for the next for the next uh, cycle. And it's this idea of cycles in Christianity. Is, it's not something I'm familiar with. And, and obviously I, I come from a, a bit more of an Eastern bent insofar as I am religious. Um, so the idea of cycles, you know, obviously everyone knows that you have the great Hindu cycles and, and in Buddhism you have something kind of similar. Um, how does, what is it in Christianity? Because I know you're an esoteric Christian. Christianity, um, uh, how, how do you, and, and, uh, how does the this other Abrahamic religions uh, restrict themselves uh, to one cycle, which or maybe two, in the sense of this cycle, uh, and then the beginning of the next cycle, uh, and that is the, that is the their scope. Because people call it a 
progressive religion sometimes. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's, it's progressive it. because it, it's, it's different. It starts from, also with a golden age and then a further decline. But you would say it's similar uh, until right? the end of the world, and then again, as it were, a golden age it starts with the paradise, and then it ends, and then it starts with the uh, new uh, city of Jerusalem. Eh? Uh, so I, it's not. I don't think it's progressive at all. Uh, if it is anything, it is regressive in the sense yeah, that yeah. It, it describes a continuous fall, uh, with sometimes restitutions. Uh, of course, uh, the Ark of Noah uh, is also one of these. Is also, as it were, kind of an end of a cycle, a destruction of a, of a world by the flood, and then a, a new world which is made. Uh, so I think there is kind of this cyclical nature, but these are lesser cycles. If we're talking about real. Like the cycle of, uh, of of the world as we know it, uh, then it is restricted to to one to one cycle. It's, I wouldn't call it speculation, just, but at least a lot of uh, doctrine on both earlier cycles uh, and and later cycles, uh, which which Christianity or or any Abrahamic religion doesn't really speak about. Uh, they're uh, they're silent on that matter. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually think that that's an uh, advantage in this in our in our age, uh, because uh, you know salvation, by which I mean, to, just to repeat it one one more time, uh, the keeping, and uh, the keeping is also is really the word which which describes it best. It's keeping the human state, saving the human state for the next world, for the world to come, um, is is the highest thing achievable for 99.9% of all of, of men living today. Uh, so there's no need to think or be concerned with any other uh, prior or posterior cycles. It's really not, uh, there's really no benefit in uh, considering them. And I guess, you know, when, when people get black pill today, I, I notice that a lot on Twitter, a lot of the younger guys, it's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? When you say, it's just, um, there are certain things that are, that are inevitable um, while you're describing this, this kind of post-Diluvian world that um, is inevitably going to start. Does that mean that they should be uh, inactive? The end of a world can only ever be the end of an illusion. I think that's what Gunan says somewhere. Uh, so, so the end of like, I think uh, should people be focused yeah. on on purely spiritual work? Uh, I think, in a sense, yes. Um, but also it depends on, on, on our conception of the spirit. I, I wrote about this in my second blog post. Uh, the spirit, what does, it, what does spirit mean? Uh, what, what is spirit? Mm. Uh, and then uh, I think I write about it there and I say something like nothing can be opposed to, to the spirit. Nothing can contradict it. Uh, so when we say you should be focused on purely on the spirit, uh, it really means you should be focused on everything that is, but not insofar as it is worldly, uh, which is really uh, because the world is really a negation. So that is 
uh, you, then you are focused on something insofar as it is not. And when we say you should focus purely on the spirit, you should be focused on something insofar as it is. So uh, insofar as it is something, insofar as, as it corresponds to reality. Um, and and of course, uh, when, you, when you're attached to the world, if you think this is the supreme reality, uh, if you think this is not an illusion, uh, this is a real thing, then you will be concerned by by the end of it. Then you will be concerned by its absolute degeneration and destruction and, and its complete fall. But if you think uh, this is only relatively real, this is not the absolute, and why should I be focused on something which is only relatively real? Why should I uh, be attached to it? Then, Then you are free. Then, then you can do real activity. Then, then you're not longer, no longer concerned with uh, trivial things. Hundred percent agree. Um, a part of that, and you were talking about the body before. I'm a firm believer in in using the body and, and tempering it or disciplining it as, as a way to practice detachment. And I guess it comes from a Buddhist angle for me. Um, and, and the practices they prescribe, such as just sitting, zazen, is a very effective means of, of doing this. And obviously I, I've experimented to some degree with, with Christian stuff. I don't, I don't like using the word experiment because yeah. I, I feel like it was more organic. It, it wasn't going around like a scientist kind of trying things out. But, um, you know, like in, in Christianity, you mentioned prayer. Um, there, there are other methods that, that Christian or Catholicism or esoteric Christianity propose to to kind of get a hold of your senses. Yes, uh, other practices such as uh, uh, the Lectio Divina or uh, the anagogical reading of Scripture or even other works, uh, which is supposed to. Uh, elevate the mind. Uh, you have the practice of uh, contemplation or contemplative prayer, which is sometimes seen as a form of prayer, but it's not really the same as like just saying a prayer, uh, but which is uh, yeah, really the contemplating of, of certain uh, truths via uh, some immediate uh, symbol or text or, or doctrine or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, specifically to get a hold of, of the senses. I'm not sure. I guess it's just uh, more about practicing the virtues. So it's, it's about moderation, uh, about uh, courage. It's about... Uh, uh, yeah, it's about, it's about being, living, living virtuously and not allowing the, the desires to, uh, to lead you. But I can't think of any specific practice that that would uh, mm, sure that that would fas- facilitate that specifically. In a sense, degree. being honest and uh, and having a clear mind. Uh, so so in prayer, be honest in and 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 uh, uh, reflection uh, also on yourself, self reflection. Uh, yeah, I think that's really important. And 
I think it's really important to have uh, a spiritual teacher, uh, to have, to have uh, yeah, a priest uh, who you can talk to and who can uh, can help you with certain things. Um, I think I think that's most important for most people because uh, I don't think doing things on your own is is very good. Uh, I think that would be my advice. For most people to uh, to find someone who uh, is more spiritually ad- advanced than you and uh, ask for their help. Do, do you uh, do you engage with someone on on that level? I mean, without going into too much detail. I mean, I don't do want to go too much. It into must it, it must be hard, uh, right? In the church, there's just a good church in my city. It's very close. It's it's very nice. Is there is a, a certain sect? I mean, uh, monks or something like if if guys want to start looking into something like this because because I agree the mentorship element is 100% critical it's something I would recommend as well and my advice would be to uh, to search out the more traditional sure. ones because uh, I think they're better yeah for me personally I, I also think it's important that when you look for a teacher or a mentor however you want to put it that that you will kind of know instantly if they're the right person for you, you'll just be able to tell. Exoterism, which you're speaking of now, it's not necessary strictly to have uh, a teacher. Uh, when you speak about like esotericism, it is absolutely necessary to have a spiritual teacher to initiate you into the lineage. Uh, but here when you're speaking about exoteric exoterism and especially uh, in uh, the exoteric in- initiation into Catholicism, it is, of course, we have uh, uh, the teaching of the catechism, uh, the catechization, uh, which is important, uh, but which also at some points in, in a poor state. Uh, but it, it, there it is not of absolute necessity to have a teacher, but it's still very beneficial. I, I would recommend it uh, to everyone still. Yeah, for sure. It, likewise, as I, as I said, if for nothing else, it, it helps you, I find, with, with emphasis, depending on what path you're on. And it just helps having someone that can see you and, and what makes you tick, um, which you can't see if you just um, do these things by yourself. It's uh, Psalm, Psalm uh, 74. Verse 12, it says, uh, yeah. God yeah, is cool. my king before the ages who works salvation in the middle of the earth or in the midst of the earth. It depends on your translation. It's, 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 I wrote it down in connection with the old prime matter uh, thing connected with salvation. The language is very obscure. Many words can mean different things uh, in many texts. Um, so I think what is what is the most important is uh, the symbolic mindset, uh, rather than the specific symbols and their specific meaning. It is more about acquiring the symbolic mindset so that you will be able to see the hidden meaning, uh, because you can't really learn it. Uh, of course, you can learn it. You can. Uh, of course, read uh, Evola's work in it, and then you see, oh, okay, this year means this, yeah. this year means this, this year means this, and so on. And then you go to read one text, and you think, oh, but this is different, and this is different. 
and then you go to analytics and then other things are different and then you go to think oh how do the how do all these things relate why is it different here but so mm. uh sometimes uh, as i said sometimes uh, the moon is, is the Janus sometimes it's the prime matter sometimes the prime matter is above the moon sometimes uh, the earth is the prime matter uh, uh, sometimes the earth is is the corporeal uh, so it, it it it's it's very uh, I guess in this sense it's very relativistic. It's not absolute at all in its expression, which I think is the proper disposition. Uh, because any expression will always be relative, because because precisely because the absolute is not expressible, it is completely unexpressed, completely unmanifest. Uh, so any expression, any manifestation, must always be relative. Must always be just one perspective because it is precisely not the unexpressed no I, I i really agree with that and, and i suppose all language in some ways is context dependent obviously so you you need to probably look at texts and, and how these words relate to one another Dark Earth. Earth. In the dark Earth. Earth.